spelling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in the world, it is me and Dana, episode 76 of the podcast that pulls back the curtain on this dirty, dirty supplement industry. Today's episode, I'm going to get grumpy about glutathione. What? What is is glutathione and (laughs) does it even matter to get grumpy about it? So It might. Starting to get some some legs. Well, because it's freaking COVID nonsense. So there's COVID cures and regimens that people are using that don't have that pesky thing called science to back them up, right? And because- well, I mean, we can give or take science at this point, right? Uh, <laughs> That's what America's shown us. I yeah, Just like, let's go full bore stupidity, stupidity <laughs> into everything. Like stupid, stupid, stupid. Let's just do that. Like whatever we should do, let's do the opposite of it, right? Let's just, just to show how smart we are. I, I could go on about that. I need a political podcast is what I need. That's I what know, I just figured out. so I, hard not to cross <laughs> that line right now. I just want to go. Um, but, you know, it's like this deadly pandemic where people are already making horrible decisions. And I get just pissy about these obvious, what I believe are cash grabs, right? So there are three supplements that are being touted um, over the past like month or so, N-acetylcysteine, glutathione, and alpha-lipoic acid. And these are antioxidants. We're going to talk about them in detail later in the podcast. But that's what I'm grumpy about. Glutathione in particular is making me super grumpy. So we're going to get to that, but let's do the other stuff first. So first, you know, I got two asks. One, give me a review for Christ's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, just uh, if you could go to Apple in particular, because that helps out the most there. Give us an honest review. Five stars would be great. Lie. Uh, Don't give us the honest review. In fact, just write something nice. And then two, I want you to join my weekly newsletter at woodstockvitamins.com slash sign up. I think it's reasonably good, right? It's passable at least. I read it. And I'm glad to hear that. I did you like yesterday's. Did you read it yet? Okay, oh. you called me. I haven't read it yet, <laughs> right, but yeah. I do read it when so, I get the email. <laughs> uh, so it, I think you're going to like it because it's pretty funny. I talked about Stings, right? I didn't talk about just the singer. I didn't even go there. I was going to put him in a couple times. I respect but, that. Yeah. We talk about bee stings, but then I threw in emotional stings. I make fun of the reader the whole time, right? Ooh. So one of my favorite lines was, uh, people with allergies to bees have to use their EpiPen and call an ambulance. And people that are having a hard time with my emotional stings should grow up because they're snowflakes and call the ambulance. So that's what I did. I just did a bunch of uh, no sympathy in, insults to the readers during the entire thing. So I think it's good. So anyway, just check out the blog woodstockvitamins.com slash sign up. All right, so let's get into it. So COVID chat, that's our first topic of discussion. What's new? Uh, let's see, our testing's dropped. Our reporting is poor and hidden. 1,500 people a day are dying. Oh, God. That's even being reported correctly. Supposedly, Russia has the vaccine and Alyssa Milano is losing her hair. Poor Alyssa Milano. Yeah. She did a nude movie once. It was some some vampire movie. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Poison Ivy 2. What is Poison Ivy 2? That was, you know, like... uh, um, was like graphic? Well, it's soft porn, arguably. It was the follow-up to Poison Ivy. Oh, oh, it made Poison Ivy 3 look like Poison Ivy 1. It was that good. (laughs) Whatever. No, I think Poison Ivy 3 was just out and out Cinemax after dark. Great. <laughs> I have no idea about any of this stuff. So 
Um, I will. I do know that our school is remote, so we've been talking about should we send our kids back, and we're not going to do that, and all of this stuff. And our school just decided, hey, we're going to go remote. Um, who knows why? The speculation is that they didn't have enough PPE. I'm thinking that they probably got a, enough pushback from the community, saying you know a lot of people aren't going to be sending people back. Well, also I noticed that announcement because you know you're. I, I have other friends who have children in your school district. Yep. Uh, that notice came out shortly after the reports about the schools opening in Georgia and then immediately closing. So yeah. I thought that had a lot of influence on it. Yeah. So that was all funny, right? Uh, don't open. Um, okay, we're going to open and we're not going to enforce masks. We're going to suspend a kid that takes a picture of the non-mask situation. Yeah, who They just gave her free airtime. She had three days to freaking go on national news. Right. <laughs> and then like a couple of days later, of course, they had nine cases, which technically means that they had 90 cases because of the 10% rule that we use. Mm. And just a couple of days later, now it's 35 cases. So that's a lot of people. And they're, you know, they're on their way to being a mess. So they closed. So mm. big surprise, right? Mm. A lot of shock and awe. Mm-hmm. Right? Another piece is excess deaths are 50,000 people more than the official number, meaning that we're definitely over the 200,000 dead mark. So great, right? And oh, this is God. the thing, like transparency, honesty. Let's just cut the nonsense with all of health and wellness and science. Let's not make this stuff political. What, you know, what, what's the, what, who gains from downplaying the numbers? Who gains from not having an honest approach about how good or bad things are going? So I will always maintain we're going to wander into politics for a minute. Mm -hmm. We'll always maintain that this was the weakest political move. Trump could have been the hero. He could have turned around his entire uh, it, like the entire four years could have been undone if he would have taken this virus seriously. And these 200,000 people would still be alive. But instead, he just he he did what he does. And now all these people are dead. Yeah. And he's he's like the greatest villain of our. I mean, I think he may have unseated. Um, uh, uh, why am I blanking on the on his name? Halliburton. Who ran Halliburton? Uh, Cheney. Yes, Dick Cheney. He has yes. unseated Dick Cheney as, as evil. Yes. Yeah. Just Dick Cheney's probably like, yeah, this guy's a moron. Like, yeah, I don't understand it either because there's ample opportunities to show moderate leadership skills, and this country, unfortunately, is a lot of really uninformed people mm -hmm. or people that are more against other types of people than they are for anything, right? Yeah. And it would be very easy to fool everybody into believing that things are good uh, just with some moderate success because we've had such a low bar, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's a big lost opportunity. I wrote one of the first articles on where are leaders. So uh, check that out if you haven't yet. Now, I did see Fauci's bracing everybody around the vaccine efficacy. He's telling people, listen, like, it's not going to be 100% effective. We've got the reports that obesity is affecting the vaccine efficacy. We have the mutations out of South Korea that are different than the Chinese to European mutation that we are all dealing with right now. So he's kind of saying, hey, you know, writing's on the wall. It's not going to be 100% effective kind of a thing. And I think that's important. Again, another article I wrote, the, the new normal. That concept has to get thrown out. There's three new normals. There's the crap that we're dealing with right now is a new normal for sure. The second one is going to be after we get the vaccine, which is you like individually, you can feel a little bit better, but you still have to be guarded. So you could go to a bar if you got the vaccine, I guess, but know that, you know, there's still a good chance that you could get the 
darn thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then what I really feel like the normal will be is we, if we have some sort of technological breakthrough, if we get some sort of instant testing so we know what our status is, if we get some sort of treatment that will prevent any of these comorbidities that are happening. Because I think we're doing a pretty decent job keeping people from dying anymore. Um, it's just that it's so widespread because we didn't do what we're supposed to do, that the numbers are so high. So, yeah, so yeah I think that... Uh, we got a we got an issue because the last point I want to make here in COVID is uh, winter's coming. Yes. So, what we have right now is because a a lot of people are doing what they're supposed to do. So we see these numbers skyrocketing here because there's a lot of people not doing what. But just think how bad it could be if everybody just didn't do what they're supposed to do, right? If everybody wasn't committed to this, right? And People are living these dramatically different lives now, not going out, staying home, keeping their circles tight. It could be way worse. And it's about to get way worse because we're going to move from being outside and spaced out and feeling good to inside. And like, how how is this going to work with the holidays? Like, how many people are going yeah. to commit to being good through the holidays? I mean, it's 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 going to be a dark time. I'm not too fearful, to be honest with you, of flu and cold season. Because like some of the Southern Hemisphere countries are reporting decreased profitability in pharmacies and hospitals and stuff and because of low cases, because there's not a lot. Everybody's staying home. They're wearing masks, hmm. which is good. I yeah. mean, that would be great. But um, a lot of people are pushing for the flu shots. I know that we'll have them like second week in September, basically. Um, yes, you should get them as soon as humanly possible. Uh but also there isn't like this massive rush. You don't need it on August 12th. You can, you can get them anytime between now and October, and you probably still have plenty of time. So uh, get your flu shot when you can. So I'm definitely it, getting one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's silly not to. So uh, weight loss. Mm. So down to 227. So that's Muscle. almost 20 pounds. Uh, that's even after a couple of weeks of misbehaving. Uh, so I can confidently say that my tweaks are a habit and this is important. I think it, it has to become easy for you to abstain from the Ben and Jerry's that are, that's flowing in your house. You know, my wife's just like, Oh my God, this new one is like so good. It's got potato chips in it. Oh God. Right. Potato chips with like cookie and like, yeah, I would just totally eat the whole bucket, but I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really oh, want to. So, man. so, you know, my, st- I gotta try it. <laughs> <laughs> my stuff and like, you know, my consults from this week totally, totally support a few different nutritional hypotheses, right? Nutrition's a lot all at once. So we have to take smaller bites out of this. We have to take these smaller bites and wait until that bite becomes routine habit, right? It becomes a part of who you are, right? And I'm once my book is finished, I'm going to be de- debuting the like newer refined version of my program. I'm calling it one, two, three vitality, which sounds very cheesy, but it, I think <laughs> it will work for people. But basically each stage one, two, and three looks at nutrition and other wellness goals under the guise of like a step-by-step process. So taking smaller bites out of it, right? So, um, you know, the first goal is just, do you know what a f- healthy food is? Do you know what a healthy meal is? Do you know what a healthy day is? Without talking about calories or organic and everything, right? That's the whole dietary Jenga piece. We're just going to focus on a few things. And that's what I found this week. It's just like everybody's two in the ether. They were focusing on the wrong things. Um, we need to eat healthy first, and then we can worry about that. I mean, one of the women I talked to, she was getting hosed by these 
practitioners, quote unquote, out there. She she's like r- running down the list of all the different diagnostic tests that are not real diagnostics that she spent hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on over the past couple months that tell you nothing. And she, she doesn't eat correctly and she drinks one glass of water a day. Oh my God. And, and she, and she has no energy. And I, and I said, okay, okay. Like I, I understand. So she's fully bought into the, what the supplement industry gives people, which is Supplements are the best. Medicine is bad, and our pseudo uh, experience of medicine is all you need. So focus on all of these distracting things, and not this, because you'll just be chasing your tail around and around and around, and spending lots of money with us. Um, and she would have kept going too. Like she, I actually said, I I don't know if I can work with you oh, no. <laughs> because because you're looking for stuff that I'm not going to give you. So, you know, you, if you're going to focus on what matters, what's important and follow my methodology, then we can work together. Um, but I'm not going to waste time telling you about this. And then you, uh, like do it for two days <laughs> and then say, I want some other blood test. She's like worrying about how her, what is her dopamine receptors, uh, are open and closed and she metab. And I'm like, what are you talking oh about? Eat yeah. some chicken, eat a salad, like drink some <laughs> fluids. Um, but the other thing is that, uh, people have no problem lying to me about what they eat. (laughs) (laughs) That needs to stop. Uh, when somebody is you're when you're paying for, or somebody's giving you free advice about nutrition, just tell them what you eat. I know (laughs) you're not eating healthy. That's why you're here. And it's cool. You know, uh, so just be more open about what's real, you know, and that's why when we, I teach nutritional assessments and I do nutritional assessments myself, there's a bunch of different ways to ask questions. And I'll normally just put people on the spot. Tell me what you ate yesterday. And I don't want to hear any nonsense. Just tell me what you ate yesterday. And, uh, but yeah, people are, liars, dirty liars. And uh, the the big one, which is related to today's topic, is that protein intake is a major, major issue. So if you look at, you know, like the American whatever, blah, 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 association of food stuff, they'll say that Americans are eating too much protein. You know, that's kind of a cultural phenomenon that we have too much protein and we're doing fine. And that's not true. Um, maybe America in general is, and it's literally just my, my trainer who eats like 400 grams of protein a day is skewing my average of (laughs) like what I'm supposed to hit, but most people aren't getting enough protein. Uh, so again, one gram of protein for every kilogram of body weight. So for me, 220 pounds, that's 100 kilograms. That's 100 grams of protein that I should be eating every single day. And you can just kind of write down your intake for a day and figure out what your gap is. And I prefer to close that gap with food instead of supplementation. But if you're looking for a good supplement, collagen is a good protein supplement. But anyway, let's now talk about my glutathione grumpiness. Yes. (laughs) So I want to set the stage here about all of this. Um, So it's actually, there's a Hudson Valley doctor that's getting attention because he's reporting that he used the supplement cocktail on a couple COVID patients and they didn't require ventilation, right? Then I've seen that cocktail being promoted in other spots. Uh, a number of naturopaths that we follow on social media are talking about the ingredients left and right. So that cocktail is N-acetylcysteine, glutathione, and alpha-lipoic acid. So that's the trio. I'll refer to them as the, the, the trifecta. Mm. <laughs> So first I want to talk to the doctor and his claims um, because it, it's just, 
you know, that my first question was, so how many patients and like what could possibly be going on there? It was two freaking patients. It was two people, right? He's writing a case study, which is good. He reported it in the literature, although, you know, we can talk about that. These two people did good. This is what I did for them and so, so on and so forth. Well, we need obviously more than just two people. And the other thing is like this doctor treats the healthy and the wealthy. Like you have to be a really rich to be able to go to this doctor. <laughs> He's treating them in an outpatient setting. He's not a hospitalist, right? Mm. And to be honest with you, like nobody has a requirement to be honest about whether or not their patients did good, right? If you're just reporting that, you can just kind of throw whatever you want out there. So true. I do think that it's great that he reported this in the literature. But the thing that made me so upset is that he does this backhanded disclaimer nonsense. So they go through the whole article and then at the end he goes, well, more studies required. Yeah, you know, it's funny about that. Just the fact that we're talking about this today because, you know, the listeners might remember that I asked you about glutathione probably two months ago Mm -hmm. and it was because I had read about this doctor and before I asked you about it, you know, I looked up if there was any other research and there was an NIH report and it was brand new and it was from this doctor so I asked you about it and you're like, nah, you know, it occurs naturally in the body and not, you know, it's probably just a waste of money. I don't see what good it's going to do. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, a couple months later, suddenly the story is getting legs and so weird. I double checked the NIH study and there's been no update. Of course. So it's still, it's <laughs> yeah. still just the two patients that he treated right. and right. it's and just it weird that it's getting attention now. It, well, it doesn't matter at all because the damage has been done. Like no matter what disclaimer you say, no matter what real evidence is there, People don't give a crap about that. They're reading headlines. They're going to skim through the paper. You know, we had yeah. friends of ours that were like, oh, I know this guy. What do you think of this? And I'm like, oh, my God, that guy. <laughs> and um, but it, again, like the the cocktail, I, I have to say this, has Plaquenil in there. Freaking Plaquenil. We're still, for God's sake, the lords above the, what were the, the, the seven lords of the what was that horrible show? Game of Thrones. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they ruined everything. <laughs> the old gods. The old the gods and the new. Why are we talking about Plaquenil? Oh my God. So, you know. Well, so- it rolls off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so, so beaten down. So it, you know, this cocktail has no scientific backing beyond a single doctor and his anecdotes for success. Mm. Period. End of sentence. It is crazy. And patients, customers, right? They're looking for something they're looking for anything that is going to give them a sense of control because this thing is freaking scary. Everyone wants to do something to better their chances for either survival or freaking, you know, prevention, right? Yeah. And so they're going to hang on to anything that remotely looks legitimate. And that's a problem. And that's why this stuff gets legs. That's why this stuff becomes popular because if there's any glimmer of hope, people will jump on it. And what I'm telling people is that this is not the time. So my first point that I need to make is that this is not the time for speculation. We can't take things at face value anymore. We can't just even check once. We have to check twice, okay? So we can't lap up anything just because it sounds good because there's too many people out there making these outrageous claims, okay? All of the same things that they exploit during non-COVID times to get you to buy stuff are being used, and now we're extra sensitive, and we're going to waste our money like we talked about, right? Um, We don't know if a supplement could be bad for COVID, right? That's a really good point. (laughs) Like, we had questions at the beginning about ACE inhibitors and ibuprofen. 
And those have been answered, of course, but we don't know. And so what has to change is that our standard for what we should sign on to has to be higher than normal. And normal, it wasn't very high. So we have to bring it up quite a bit because there is so much opportunity for somebody to tell you something that sounds legitimate and they're a doctor. So why would they lie? And doing all of those tricks, right? To get you to buy stuff right? Or get you to trust them or get you to consult with them, whatever it is, right? So I'm totally cool with new data. And we've been trying to hang on the edge of the newest data as it comes out. But I'm totally not cool with bad data and this nonsense, right? So all right, so that sets the stage for where I'm at in a headspace here. So let's talk about what these things are. So the trio, N-acetylcysteine, glutathione, alpha-lipoic acid, these are antioxidants, antioxidants. So I've written an article about that. You can check it out, of course. But essentially, there's normal processes in our body that makes garbage. We make waste products. Some of these waste products interact with our surrounding cells and tissues. It's, I always say it's like a little cell with a knife, and it's just kind of like cutting people as it's going by, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we, we got we to gotta, you know, not have these knived avengers running around our blood cells, so we have antioxidants to kind of clean up the mess. So it, it, it takes away the knife and makes it so it's not as reactive. So, Was our, anyone else picturing Family Guy animation of cells <laughs> stabbing each other? I was. <laughs> that's, that's what my motivation is for everything. It's just a cutaway gag for Family Guy. Um, <laughs> our body's in this constant state of oxidation and antioxidation. So it's not like a light switch. It's just kind of like a blended reality. And if in general you're doing things that will promote oxidation to a large degree smoking cigarettes, right? You're making all of these waste products without then counterbalancing it with antioxidants, you're going to be in trouble. Okay. So sugar, like if your blood sugar is too high, if, if you're eating like crap, if you're smoking, like doing things that will create all these reactive species in your body without counterbalancing them, you're going to be in deep doo-doo. So, but then a lot of people are saying, well, I do those unhealthy things, so I need more antioxidants. And so our brains go directly to supplements. I'm going to supplement my antioxidants because of all, all these problems. And don't let that happen. Eating like crap, not sleeping, having unmanaged chronic diseases, they're going to create this pro-oxidation in the body, lots of oxidation. And guess what, Dana? No level of supplements are going to help at Stop. all. Yeah, I, I swear. It's Band-Aids on bullet holes. Right. So I think enough band-aids would work, right? <laughs> Depends <laughs> on how big the bullet hole is. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the detail on what these specific things are. So glutathione, it's an active and important antioxidant in the body. Okay. It's made up of three amino acids. The most important one is cysteine. If you don't have enough cysteine, you're not going to make enough glutathione. Okay. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein. So if you need more cysteine, you need more protein. If you need more amino acids, you need more protein. Okay. So cysteine-rich proteins, because we're talking about trying to make sure we have enough glutathione, we need more cysteine then, right? So these are things like eggs, beef, pork, lentils, even sunflower seeds or dairy products. These things are rich in cysteine. Eggs are the big one. You know, eat eggs. And Why couldn't you say dairy was the big one? <laughs> ice cream, Ben and Jerry with <laughs> potato chips. And if you... If, so if you want to have these healthy levels of glutathione, you need to eat enough protein and specifically cysteine-rich protein. So if you just remember, what is it, three minutes ago when I was talking about how most people aren't eating enough protein <laughs> based on my assessments, this is a problem. And 
this kind of goes to my point about glutathione and what these guys are saying is, is are people low in glutathione because of some malicious mechanism or is it because they're just not eating enough protein, right? So we'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, glutathione itself, because a lot of people are saying, well, I'm low in glutathione. I want to make sure I have enough glutathione because somebody told me it's important. And while it's not absorbed, glutathione is poorly absorbed orally and the glutathione that is found in foods or even supplements is barely bioavailable. So it's not going to get into your blood at all. And most mm. supplements that people take are just a huge, huge waste of money. So as a result, like there's been this market for how can we get glutathione into the body? And so compounding pharmacists will make injections or inhalation solutions or even creams to try to bypass the gut's poor absorption and whatever, you know, like whatever, I, I guess that's fine. Um, they even now have these liposomal glutathiones and that's what the conversation ends up becoming about right now is lip you need liposomal glutathione because that's going to have better absorption. So we have a product that's um, basically a, a fat that's bound to glutathione that's claimed to have better absorption. But here's the thing is like, why do you need it? Mm. <laughs> why, why do you need this thing? The claim is, is that glutathione's depleted in all these different situations. So heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, age, and more. But again, if you if you don't get enough cysteine, that's more the problem than anything. So I don't want to give away the next part. So I'm just going to kind of steamroll through this. So, mm -hmm. so we can't get glutathione reliably into our body and we're not eating enough protein. So is there something that we can do that will increase the amount of cysteine and therefore indirectly increase the amount of glutathione? And we can, and there's something called N-acetylcysteine, right? That's what that product is. Some people call it NAC, NAC, because uh, <laughs> that's... Uh, I, people like abbreviations and stuff. We do. And isn't there something where it's like an, an acronym is something that makes a word and then an initialism is something that is like CIA versus like NAC? I don't know, whatever. But uh, don't don't worry about my grammar, people. I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, N-acetylcysteine allows for direct supplementation of the cysteine, which then your body uses to make the glutathione. And it's really nice because the cysteine itself is going to work as an antioxidant as well in the body. So if you take N-acetylcysteine, it's going to do its own antioxidant thing, and then it's going to increase other antioxidants like glutathione, and we're all happy. Um, and we do know very conclusively that when we eat lots of antioxidant-rich foods, so not just specifically glutathione or anything like that, our body will make more antioxidants, and it's just in a big old antioxidant party, right? And we, it's better for us. We're healthier when we eat lots of fruits and vegetables. Um, so this concept of, okay, let me give another antioxidant that we can get our hands on, alpha-lipoic acid, along with the N-acetylcysteine and glutathione, and then we have this um, scientifically derived synthetic uh, party of antioxidants in the body. And that's the trio. That's the idea. It's like glutathione is this powerful, broad-sweeping antioxidant. N-acetylcysteine has antioxidant effects, but it also is used to raise glutathione levels. And then alpha-lipoic acid, another powerful antioxidant that we can isolate and put into a pill form, are all there. Now, of course, like we said, food has all of that stuff too. And it's probably better to get it from food, but whatever. So the theory here is that if we give these three, we're going to boost the antioxidants specifically glutathione, and it's going to improve our like blood levels of glutathione. And then our chances with respiratory infections are going to be improved. And they're saying, we're going to say COVID too. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the theory. Mm -hmm. right? 
Uh, great question. <laughs> Does that help? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that this is something that will help. Uh, there's sketchy data that if you improve glutathione blood levels and ratios, you'll prevent or benefit flus and colds. All right. So that's what they're basing this all on. This idea that if, if we change these glutathione levels, colds and respiratory infections will be handled much easier. So there it's all it's the thing is like I'm trying not to get too nerdy here but they're they're basing this on secondary markers. So a primary marker is like do you get sick more? Do you die? <laughs> <laughs> uh is the sickness severe, right? Those are the primary markers. And what they're looking at is like the immune cells that they can measure. And that's a kind of a tell because a lot of the stuff you really can't measure accurately in humans because like, what are you going to go right to the specific tissue and pull out that stuff? It, it's just like a general kind of level. And so most of the stuff is done in animals and in Petri dishes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. like these conclusions don't really help out very much. So, so again, this theory of can these things possibly help out with COVID is based on sketchy data. And in fact, Oxford in April did a quick review of the literature, specifically the uh, evidence the COVID evidence team, uh, and surprise, surprise, no trials of NAC, glutathione, et cetera, were conducted on COVID at all. So they had, hmm. they had to use these older respiratory disease, cold and flu trials. And guess what? The cold and flu claims are sketchy at best. And so they basically said they can't help us make decisions, which is the official scientific professional way to say there's nothing here, right? Like no freaking no. Right. So, um, Remember, if there's a glimmer of hope with any of this stuff, people will be all over it. I think that's an important thing to kind of point out to people is like, we want stuff to work. <laughs> and if and if this stuff does work, then what, what's going to happen? We're going to have freaking Nobel Prizes, right? Like, yeah. And like, you're going to make a billion dollars on your on your product. So, um, yeah, I had I had a question, but you pretty much answered it indirectly, which was, you know, is there any harm in keeping these things on hand just in mm -hmm. case, especially if you know that you have these comorbidities, but it sounds like probably not. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk about that a little bit more, but, but so the, the big thing that I want to kind of do is that, so besides this one doctor with this anecdote, there's a couple pieces that were written based on a review of N-acetylcysteine glutathione and everything. And this is the white paper deception. I called it moldy bread. So when you or any other layperson is reading scientific media stuff sounds good. So it's probably good. And what I'm telling people is that, no, I, I don't see good. I see a moldy piece of bread. Now you might see a moldy piece of bread too. There might be little green spots and stuff like that, but I see like the deep mold that's kind of around it, right? Not as good as some of the other PhDs that we've had on the show, but I can see where the flaws are. And so you have a choice. You can say there's only a couple pieces of mold. Let's use the bread for what it is. Or we could say this is not edible. And they do this in that freaking review paper. Basically, they they do definitive statements like this. They say glutathione boosting treatments have been shown to enhance immune response and reduce severity of flu, coronavirus, HIV, and other viral infections. And again, I just said that the Oxford people, the people that do this stuff professionally said, no, that's not there. They use the word coronavirus, of course, intentionally, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a reason that they put coronavirus. They could have said colds, but they said coronavirus. Sounds really awesome because coronavirus is a bit of a problem, but coronavirus colds are different than coronavirus death bug that we're dealing with, right? And also probably any 
like random layperson wouldn't know that coronavirus is not the new disease. COVID yeah. is. Coronavirus has been around like forever. Right. Exactly. So, and then even at the beginning, it talks about the substantial body of evidence around uh, glutathione. And no, there isn't that. There isn't a substantial body of evidence. So they're using all these phrases and and, and terms in the abstract, which is the part that most people will read, and that's it, right? The abstract tells you what they're doing, why, and what the results were. And that's where most people stop. They don't go through the methodology and stuff. It's me. I'm most people. <laughs> and the last thing is that in that same paragraph, they do that backhanded disclaimer. Clinical trials are needed to determine dot, 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 right? So so they it's, it's like saying the weight loss pill is going to help you lose 8 to 10 pounds with diet and exercise, right? That's what they all do, right? And that's what these guys are doing here. So that's the second point that needs to be made here is that so the, the claims need to be substantiated by science. And then we, we can't just because it's written on a white paper that looks official, we can't take it as if it's actually science, yeah, because it's not. And so this is what I, this last point, uh, this third point here is what I want to really touch on is this idea of the chicken and the egg, right? So these practitioners, quote unquote, talk about the importance of glutathione. They're not connecting the dots that they need to. So are these people's glutathione levels low because they have COVID? Or did they get sicker with COVID because they have low glutathione? Or does one thing have to do with the other at all, right? Does it matter? is glutathione deficiency even clinically relevant? And so when I think of glutathione deficiency, I think of Tylenol overdoses. Mm. So we take too much Tylenol, our, we you know, kind of like supersede our body's ability to clear it out. Our glutathione gets maxed out. So then we need to give people like N-acetylcysteine as an antidote to build up more glutathione so we can clear out the Tylenol. Mm. Right? People with cirrhosis or liver disease, they'll have lower glutathione levels and it's clinically relevant. We have to do something about it, right? So does COVID itself or any of these other infections that they're talking about cause the glutathione deficiency? Are people who are unhealthier, right? People that aren't managing their diseases, not eating correctly, more likely to get COVID and more likely to get severe COVID, right? So are we? it's the forest and the trees, right? What are we looking for? And these people like that are getting COVID that go to this doctor, right? Are they suffering because of the glutathione levels or did their vitamin levels get goofed because they got COVID? Chicken and the egg, prove that first and foremost. Don't make these assumptions. And that's, these are the kinds of questions that you want to ask. So let's expand the thought. So glutathione levels are related to poor COVID. Is that true? One, no, it's not. Two, which came first, chicken or the egg. So, so we, we're trying to apply glutathione here like we did with vitamin D. We know, and there's pretty strong data, that if you have low vitamin D, you're going to have poor responses to respiratory infections. That was pretty well established, much more than what co uh, glutathione is. And now it's even tied to COVID. And so improving your glutathione levels, again, living a healthy life, not necessarily taking vitamin D supplementations, but living a healthy life improves your vitamin D and then does better. You do better with COVID. And they're trying to tie the vitamin D to the glutathione thing. And I don't think that they have legs to stand on here because if they did, we'd be telling everybody to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so point four is basically, we have no idea why these people did well. Uh, the people that are being suggested to take this stuff, the stuff that the case study was written about, is it because they're healthy to begin with? Is it because they're using this particular cocktail for whatever reason, this magic cocktail? Or is it because COVID doesn't always result in death and hospitalization, right? The reason that they're not in the hospital is because not everybody goes to the hospital, 
right? I always do the analogy of the 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 guys that wish their fathers to death, right? So uh, this is, I think I did this on the podcast. So how many men are in the world? Lots, right? Big, big number. How many men dreamt of their father last night, right? That's probably a big number. How many people dreamt that their father died last night? And then how many people's father actually died that night? And if you think about it with 7 billion people, that last number is probably pretty big. Yeah. Does it mean that they're psychic and they're murdering their dad in their sleep? It doesn't. It just means that randomness is pretty big and we can kind of assign things to other things uh, pretty easily. Uh, but what we really need to do is we need to do better experimentation and figure out what is random and what isn't. And so- Yeah, I, well, in 2009, I dreamt that my car was going to be stolen and then the next day, well, the next night it was stolen. So your move, Neil. <laughs> so there it is. So <laughs> so yes, you can. Uh, so glutathione works. I, I've changed my mind. <laughs> Completely. The whole podcast is null and void. That's a true story, by the way. <laughs> it really freaked me out. So my overall piece here with this, it's it's less about, you know, is glutathione good for me? Like that stuff, eh, like let we can talk about that at this last little bit here, but these are stories. These are theories. These are hypotheses. These are suggestions. These are freaking stories. These are fables, right? There's zero evidence to help us. The theories have so little merit that the millions of doctors that are fighting this and looking to be the guy or gal that cures this thing, they're ignoring it, right? And it's not because it's some secret. It's not because it is, you know, it's like the, the lamestream media. It's none of that stuff. It's because <laughs> this stuff has no merit. My question to everybody is why does any of this get any attention? Could I just postulate about COVID and then use my credentials and as like an appeal to authority and then make a bunch of money either selling the supplement myself or getting people to buy into my whole like camp here. Right. So this stuff really makes me grumpy as you can kind of tell. So, so then let me reiterate my question. Is this stuff worth having on hand just in case? Is there anything as far as like side effects or drug interactions that people need to be worried about, or is it just not worth it? Right. So this is actually where most people get to, right? So Dr. So-and-so in the media goes on and on how about great it is. And I go on and on about how that is an incorrect conclusion. And people go, well, what if I just wanted to be sure, right? This is the multivitamin argument. I could say all day that there's no evidence that'll benefit. And somebody will say, yeah, well, you need, you need these kinds of things. And somebody say, well, what will it hurt? Will it help me? And you're right. It won't. You can take it. You can use it if you want to. All I'm saying is that we should be much more strategic about our wellness, much more sophisticated. We shouldn't be so quick to buy a product as insurance, essentially, especially because this problem is, is a non-existent problem. This is a problem that was made up and promoted by somebody else to move products, to move you into their realm, the attention economy, right? That's what we live in. So I say this thing, now I get all this attention. How many people have now looked up this doctor, right? So I, here's my advice, right? So we'll end on my overall advice to the listener on dealing with this glutathione N-acetylcysteine alpha lipoic acid situation, right? First and foremost, be healthy, right? Climb that wellness pyramid. Eat well, sleep well, exercise, deal with your stress, deal with the environmental things that could be making you sicker, right? Second, manage your diseases, right? Heart disease, lung disease, age. These are the things that they kind of say are deplete your glutathione levels, but we don't know if it really matters or not. So 
if you can control for it, control for it. If you can't, you can't. So if you have high cholesterol, but you refuse to go on medications that have antioxidant effects and can lower your risk factors down, that's a problem, right? So it makes way more sense to control these things that will help uh, prevent the causes of depletion, right? Um, we can manage and we can account for this stuff. So make sure that you're doing that. And third, if you want to be certain, if you want to do something, sure, take N-acetylcysteine. And the only reason I say that is because cysteine-rich foods are tough for some people to get. If you're a Planosaurus rex, you're not going to be eating lots of eggs and poultry and stuff like that. So you're going to need some more cysteine-rich foods. You can get that from supplements. You can get that from protein powders. You can get that from foods. It's just a little bit harder. So you can use N-acetylcysteine. Don't go more than 600 milligrams a day. People are talking about this 1,200 milligram number. 600 milligrams a day is fine. And you know, it, it's just, it just way, makes way more sense for me to, to eat quality proteins than it does to take the supplement and spend the money on it because you need the proteins anyway for your macronutrient goals for everything else that you're doing. Fourth, I would say just stop with this glutathione nonsense. Like don't take the glutathione containing products just because they're going to be buku bucks. You're going to be directly increasing glutathione levels where N-acetylcysteine does a really good job increasing it indirectly, right? And I mean, you're talking about a difference in price of like 30 to 40 bucks versus 10 to 12 bucks. Wow. You know, so it's doubtful that this stuff gets absorbed even in these liposomal forms. There's no good data about bioavailability. So it just makes more sense to, to take that N-acetylcysteine. So my, my end thought here is like, what's, what's more likely? that these things are going to actually help in some significant manner or somebody wants attention, they want you to trust them and they want to make money. And if you base it on that, it's like, oh, okay, well, I mean, I'm still at that point. What do I do? Do I buy the thing and just take it in case? Or do I say, I'm going to just try to be healthier because that has been shown to be the best choice that you can make here. Always. <laughs> so I hope that answered your questions. I'm going to cover this again in our rant this month. I'm going to go into more detail around the science around each of the different supplements. So you can check that out at woodstockvitamins.com. And until next time, keep listening, keep learning and be well. <laughs>